you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I have got not one, but two amazing guests on the show today. It's the founders of Squadcast FM, Rockwell Felder and Zach Marino. I am super excited to have you guys on the show today. Hey, Robin. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, appreciate it very much. My pleasure. Gosh, Zach, you've got a proper voice for radio. It's like very soothing already. I like it. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. I try. Awesome. So um, obviously, like we're going to talk about what Squadcast is, how you guys got into it. I'm going to understand a little bit about your backgrounds, um, you know, setting up a a tech based business. Um, But I think a lot of our listeners are going to be most interested to know about sort of the, the power of podcasting in 2020. So what are your tips for kind of the coaches, consultants, freelancers out there who are thinking about kind of unique and different ways to, um, to market their businesses? Why is podcasting such a good idea? Well, it's a pretty interesting channel to reach an audience and grow an audience. Um, It's got some qualities that other marketing channels um, don't necessarily have. And, um, and I think those really are, uh, are qualities that audiences and, um, and people looking to grow as, as humans are, are, are hungry for. So things like, um, things like going deep on a topic, right. Over a long form conversation when the world is, uh, increasingly going in the opposite direction with media being very short form. That's something that I think is very unique to the medium. And, um, from that's from like the, the listener side from the, um, from the creative side, there's uh, also a number of qualities that are that are unique in that you you actually own your content and you have uh, you have that evergreen library uh, archive future forward. Um, you also have uh, a number of benefits like networking with the guest before and after you're kind of live and recording the episode. Um, and there's uh, there's a number of other qualities that I think uh, really build towards this notion of of intimacy with a, a specific audience that uh, whatever your product or service or offering is that you're adding value for them. Uh, it's a very symbiotic relationship with uh, with your with your however you're monetizing your business and uh, and being able to to go deep and tell these stories that your audience really resonate with. I think there's a, there's an element as well of like a little bit of fear, which stops people from kind of starting a podcast, you know, and actually it's, it's, you're just talking to people. It's like a really nice, pleasant way to kind of actually market your business. Like rock, what, what are some of it from your experience? Like how, how can somebody, you know, get over that? Some of those initial kind of fears, maybe some imposter syndrome and actually what tips have you got to make it super easy for people to, you know, how can you start a podcast in 2020? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, Courage is a bit is a big deal. I think it's a big deal for any business owner, anybody putting themselves out there. Like I think courage is a is a wonderful characteristic, and it's something that I always try to to um, develop because uh, you know you don't necessarily have to be intelligent to be be courage or or talented, but um, not everyone can do it. So to me, it's it's a really fascinating quality and characteristic to have. Uh, but I think the simple thing is to just do it, and because quite frankly, like 
I still get nervous all the time when I'm, when I get behind the mic or anytime I public speak, I mean, there's a big reason why public speaking is such a big fear to people. And I think some of that kind of, uh, uh, spills over when we start creating content, whether it's a YouTube video or a, a podcast recording. So really, I think the best way is to just continue to do it. Um, like I said, I still get nervous before every single interview or content creation moment that we do varying degrees of nerves, I should say. But like today, I wasn't like super nervous about our interview that we were going to have today. Whereas like a year ago, I would be thinking about it like all week, like, oh, I hope I do really good. What am I going to say? Like kind of like reciting what I, what I, you know, trying to anticipate what you're going to ask me and then have a, a response kind of calculated just because I like want to be prepared and not be, not look stupid, not look like I'm unprepared. Right. But as you start doing it more and more, you, you find a rhythm, you find your own kind of groove and personality. And, and that's when it becomes fun. Uh, and when it becomes fun, I think is when uh, it, it becomes really special. But I think the simple ingredient is just to continue to consistently, consistently show up and just work, work and get, you'll, you'll get better at it. Well, one, one of the things I realized when I first started at this podcast was that, that, um, when I got nervous, I realized that actually it was kind of a little bit too much about me and actually people right. aren't really here, here for me. They're here for you guys. Like it's my job to get the most out of you. And I can't do that if I'm a little bit sort of you know, uptight and anxious and not able to kind of, you know, worry about if I fumble my words or do, you know, do something stupid. I mean, I do a lot of stupid things. Like don't get me wrong guys, but you know, um, you know, my job is to make you guys feel at ease so I can get the most out of you. And I think that's what some people kind of you know if the podcast is making you anxious and nervous and it's it's you know it is it, it all of a sudden it does become all about you but I think there's there's also a point as well when when you you know it starts to become very uh like routine I've got used to doing podcast interviews and there's this always this part of me which is like how can I start to make it better? How can I start to kind of improve it and take it up to the next level? Now I'm 60 episodes in, you know, what do the next 60 episodes need to look like? So what, what tips have you got for us around kind of like making it even better once you've got started? Yeah, I think uh, podcasting is is fairly simple at its core, um, and you can kind of opt into more complex uh, workflows and things like that. Um, but really, you know, the question is why? Why would you want to do that? And I think that it all comes back to your the point you just made about you know, uh, making decisions for your content and your podcast through the lens of what's best for your audience. Right. So, um, a lot has been said about like user experience and how we're building, you know, uh, technology or products or services. And we, we really need to be mindful throughout that process of the people who are using, using that and, and what their experience is going to be like. So if we apply that same principle to podcasting, the, the audience is our audience and they are consuming our product, which is each episode of our podcast. So then it really gets into, well, what are the, what are the, the kind of knobs and levers that we can uh, twist and turn to really improve the audience uh, listening experience? And that's really what we focus on at Squadcast is really giving you uh, source quality, very high studio quality audio for everybody who's in the conversation which really sets you up for success to make a really, really dope episode in post-production and, and really kind of, uh, you know, uh, do all the fancy stuff you want to do there or not. It gives you that flexibility. But the source content that you're starting with is very, very high quality. And because podcast episodes are long form, like I mentioned um, before, it, it, 
the if it's low quality, that can be very fatiguing to our audience and and their listening experience. So, you know, uh, that intimacy in podcasting, a lot of people talk about that, um, but the intimacy doesn't necessarily come for free. It can be it can be uh, kind of abused if you record like phone calls or like uh, things like that. It can really be fatiguing, and even if you have the best content, the best guests, the best energy, um, all of those things, uh, that that fatigue can really be a barrier and a distraction. For from our audience really, you know, uh, embracing that intimate, uh, intimate conversation and, and actually hearing the message that your guest is sharing in that episode. And I, I, I suppose there's something which you mentioned there about kind of, um, the fatiguing part of it, like the, the, you know, there's, there's a lot of noise out there, like there's a lot of podcasts and, um, it'd be also remiss not to give a nod to kind of, you know, the current sort of state of affairs with COVID, for example, mm-hmm. has the landscape do you think shifted a little bit in terms of how like people want to learn and want to engage with other people and, and, um, you know, and you're fighting against the likes of kind of zoom and other platforms like that as well. And, is there just too much online content? Is there a danger in that? And how, do, how, do, how does a podcast and how can Squadcast help to kind of overcome that? You're absolutely right. There is a lot of noise, but I don't think that podcasting is necessarily oversaturated yet. There's still so many folks just in the U.S. that still really don't have podcasting as a, a, a weekly or a, a regular part of their consumption diet. And that's a lot of valuable information that they're not aware of yet. So our bet's always been that podcasting is just going to be, I mean, I like to think of it as like, if you're looking to build or have a digital uh, presence and build influence, you're going to have to have a podcast very similar to the way that everyone has social media. Now it's, I don't think it'll be like to that degree, big or crazy, but it's going to be part of your content strategy because people are going to want to consume your content in different ways at different times and in different places. And a podcast is just a really unique way to, uh, Zach said, build that intimate relationship. And I think that's why advertisers are willing to spend so much money in podcasting because they're seeing that that valuable intimate relationship is, is really uh, something unique. So I, I really think that we don't really think of social media. Well, I guess now it's probably bad, but, but we are probably starting to see the downsides of social media. So I, I really hope podcasting doesn't go that that trajectory, but I still do think that like it is part of an online presence and part of building influence. And um, if you're really scratching your own itch and, and putting something out there that you feel isn't a, a, a need that's met yet, chances are there's a, a, a small community or a, even a big community that's, that's feeling the same way. And, and those needs are unmet and you can be that person and podcasting. There's very few mediums that allow you to do that stuff uh, all on your own, just because uh, you have passion and, and ideas to fuel it. Well, I think it's a great platform to be able to kind of spread the message exactly like you say. And, and I think one of the best things about podcasting is the fact that it leaves that sort of everlasting digital footprint, you know, a bit like a blog does, a bit like a video does, but a podcast is that other that other medium. And, you know, we always talk about in the coaching world, for example, you know, how do people learn? Well, audio, visual, kinesthetic, audio, exactly. visual, kinesthetic. So it appears to, you know, there's a subset of people out there who don't engage with videos. They don't like seeing stuff moving on screens, who don't like the touchy feely side of advertising, for example, or words on a words on a page, but mm-hmm. plug in their, you know, their AirPods and they're, they're in heaven, you know, so podcasts are incredibly powerful as a tool. Yeah, um, it actually informs, you know, start part of the way that uh, even before we founded Squadcast, like uh, the reason I loved listening to podcasts and thank you, Rock, for introducing me to them um, 
a long time ago was because uh, I was able to essentially start to personalize my own educational content because uh, things were conversations, episodes were so niched down into very specific topics that I could start to, uh, I could start to kind of put together my own personalized, uh, you know, lesson plan for that day. So coaches and, um, and people who are interested in teaching, I think that's, you know, a very interesting way to think about it is, uh, kind of the, the next step of personalized education. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you kind of alluded to kind of the, um, how you guys started out with Squadcast. Um, obviously like one of you was into podcasting, one of you wasn't. Uh, so what, how did, how did it all sort of get started initially? Well, Rock, uh, Rock and I are longtime friends, uh, like I shared, and he introduced me as a listener to podcasts. Um, and our careers kind of went in different ways, but stayed in touch. And uh, everybody, you know, doing doing talented things through college and early career, um, and decided at some point to do a creative side project uh, in in digital storytelling with a science fiction audio drama. I wanted to just get out of my comfort zone and, um, and work in a new medium. Uh, so because I had loved interview podcasts, it just kind of blew my mind that all of a sudden fiction was part of podcasting and, um, and really started to go down that, uh, that process of developing a workflow and putting a process and a team together to do that. And the only way we were going to have any sort of regular cadence, uh, of publishing, which is really important to podcast audiences, uh, was to be a remote production team. And, that's really where we found this challenge of, of the quality wasn't there when we weren't in the same room. Um, and we kind of just kept doing our homework and talking to the podcast community and OGs who have been doing this for a long time before us. And uh, turns out they weren't really happy with the state of the art either. Like it was possible, but the quality just wasn't there or it was, uh, you know, as good as it was going to get was kind of how some people uh, articulated it. Um, and we just chose to see that a different way and decided to build something new that uh, would solve this really, you know, uh, fairly old problem by bringing, you know, modern technology solutions to it. Um, so We've been at that journey for the last four years, and uh, this, the scale today is just very staggering to me. It's like over 120 countries. Last month, you know, over a year of audio was recorded on, on the platform, and we're so proud to be a part of the podcast community and help all those creatives really, really getting their message out to their audience. And Rock, you were you, you used to work for Moss Adams. That's a bit of a change of scenery as well, getting into kind of tech and stuff like that. So, ha, ha, what what was the what was that? When did you? Um, in fact, this might be a really interesting kind of moment to talk about, like that fearless decision, that moment where you were like, right, I've got to make a decision. I'm either going this way or that way. So, what what happened? When did that happen? Yeah. So, so Moss Adams is a, a public accounting firm. So, I worked there right out of college as a uh, financial statement auditor. So, it sounds like a boring job, but actually, I thought it was really fun for, for me because I've always had a, a fascination with business and different industries within business and uh, just kind of the, the art and science of business. But so it was a really good place for me to jumpstart my career and get exposed to different businesses and the leadership there. Um, at a very young age, I was already talking to CEOs, CFOs, board members, and really like kind of having to tell them what to do or how to, how to get their accounting in order and stuff. And so it was a lot of responsibility again, very early on in my career, which was very rewarding. But at the same time, uh, as I started to rub shoulders with these different founders and executives, I started to feel like, well, maybe I can do this. And I've always had this kind of 
curiosity of what it would be like to um, start a business and, and be a part of the team that's building it from the ground up. So it's always been something that I was interested in. But as I started to develop in my professional career and started to reach that like uh, that that salary range where uh, your happiness is no longer directly correlated with your with the amount of salary increase that you get, I really started to, to hit that that ceiling and start to think like, okay, this is a great job. And by all accounts, I'm, I'm successful and maybe more successful than I gave myself credit for or ever thought I would, would reach, uh, because it was going to be a good path to, to by all means, you know, support a family, all that good stuff buy a house, but it just felt like it wasn't going to be enough. And I realized that like this place could, you know, Moss Adams is a great company, but just the, the job itself, um, the more money I got, I, I started to realize like it didn't excite me uh, to, to continue to do it. I wanted to do something else, something more creative, something more entrepreneurial and reading books like uh, like the four hour work week and so many others that are similar to that. It just kind of messed my head up of like, this is what I'm feeling like. I don't want to just keep working and and working for retirement. Like it just didn't seem to sit well with me. So I was going on this independent journey of like trying to figure out what am I going to do next? Like trying to financially and mentally prepare for it. So when Zach reached out and, and called me and presented this idea that is now Squadcast, uh, it was really easy to get excited about, first of all, because it was in podcasting and I was a big uh, con- consumer of podcasts as a listener and really didn't understand why the medium wasn't more mainstream and why everybody wasn't listening to it the way that I thought they should. And so when Zach kind of presented this idea that, Hey, I think podcasting is going to continue to rise and become more mainstream and creators are going to need high quality tools to create this content. And one of the other uh, waves that was less obvious to us uh, was that this, they were going to want to create remotely and they should still be able to do that at high quality. So that's the two waves that we saw ourselves writing was podcasting and also like remote work and collaboration, which is something that we got to experience in our careers before Squadcast. So I think we were very fortunate uh, for that. So it was a really easy thing to get excited about. I've seen, you know, like, like Zach said, we've been friends for a while and I'd seen him just continue to set really high goals and expectations for himself and reach them. So I always figured like whatever he put his mind to, he was going to accomplish. And I think of myself in a very similar, uh, similar way. And then just our unique, uh, personalities and skill sets combined. I thought like we could, we could probably do something and, and with trust as like the, uh, the foundation of that relationship and of the business, it was just like, it couldn't have been a better fit. And I think that's why we're, we're still here today because there's been so many, it hasn't been, it's been a bumpy ride. Like it hasn't been perfect, but it's like the best bumpy ride ever because the, (laughs) the, the, the lows make the highs so much greater, but I think it's all comes down to the relationship that we have and and that we uh, have with our team of uh, built upon trust and loyalty in that, you know, no matter what problems we face or, or no matter what successes we face, that's going to continue to be the foundation that holds us all together. Uh, it's it's really interesting. Do you think that um, uh, it sounds like kind of being exposed to those different businesses whilst you're at Moss Adams actually kind of give you gave you a bit of a leg up? Maybe uh, you, I don't know whether you kind of realized that or not, but um, I, I absolutely think so. It, without that job, I would not be here today. I wouldn't have the confidence to kind of uh, stare into the abyss that the being an entrepreneur or just a, a you know just trying to figure things out on your own. Um, 
I, I, there were so many times where I felt like I was thrown on an island at Moss Adams where I had to figure out stuff on my own. And I did, and it feels very similar here. So it, and, and you asked about, you know, coming from an accounting background to tech, because I got to work in all these industries like agriculture, manufacturing, uh, real estate, construction, and tech, I just like always saw like tech's, tech's not an industry. I don't think it's, it's gonna, it is everything. There's going to be different industries within tech, but it's, you know, it's going to be agriculture tech. It's going to be real estate tech. It's going to be, you know, we already know about FinTech. So um, yeah, no, absolutely. You're right, Robin. I, I would not be here without that job. So those, those bumps, which you alluded to, was there a point when like Zach and Rock look at each other and go, Oh, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> what comes to mind for you, Zach? I, I'll, I'll figure out another one. <laughs> I don't know about that that uh, extreme, but it's certainly uh, certainly you know hard questions to answer. And like Rock said, it's can sometimes feel like um, you know it's it's a blurry line between feeling like you're on an island and innovation, right? Because you're staring problems that haven't been solved in the face and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, that can be frightening. Uh, you know, that, that can be very fearful. So I think it does take, uh, uh, an element of courage, but also confidence, like you mentioned rock and, um, and also just the, the trust in our team and each other, um, and our ability to, uh, to, to really fulfill our mission, to amplify collaboration, that's at the core of, of what we do. And, um, you know, also another element to, uh, to our relationship as founders is we chose very early on to do this experiment of, of self-funding and bootstrapping our startup. So we held down day jobs for the first year and a half of running Squadcast and having customers. And, um, you know, we, we started out with, uh, with the monetization strategy because we knew, you know, the rubber would hit the road very quickly and we would need, we would need, uh, to be sustainable, um, at some point in the near future. Uh, so, you know, that's something that I always encourage founders to at least do the experiment and try for fundraising's always out there. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm not knocking it. It's just, uh, you know, that adds some flavor to our journey and, uh, with rocks background, I don't know. I don't know if I was a solo founder, I would have made that choice. Uh, just to, to be frank, because uh, Rock's background and, you know, our foundation and trust and really looking at these hard problems uh, straight on, it, um, it it gave me more confidence to be able to do that experiment and, and self-fund. So at the year and a half mark, to answer your question, both of us made the jump to full time from our day jobs. And uh, yeah, there was some fear in there, but also confidence because we had, uh, you know, that was essentially, um, you know, revenue finance or uh, sorry customer based financing at that point the the product was paying for itself and that was what was, kind what of was a, the fear let's go there the fear was a uh, failure you know um just to be straight up uh was that you know we would put ourselves out there um and you know there was a uh, and and that we would fail so um you know, you start to identify, it's hard not to identify as a founder of a startup. It's hard not to identify with the success of your product and the success of your customers. So when things don't go quite right, it's, it feels like a little piece of you just died, uh, or you let somebody down who trusted you. And, um, you know, when we first launched in beta, uh, uh, a year, like about a year before we, we made the jump, um, 
we had no idea that if we had either invented this problem or if other podcasters actually, you know, had this problem and felt like there was a solution that they they needed for it. So that was another big moment where it felt like we were just standing on the edge of a cliff and just needed to take the step off and be confident that, you know, there would be the next step there for us. And uh, I love this analogy. I don't know if he invented it, but I think Reed Hoffman throws it out there all the time. It's like uh, founding a, a startup is like jumping off a cliff and building a plane before you hit the ground, you know? And I, I think that that's very true. Uh, you know, like Rock said, it's kind of staring into the abyss and, and you know, being confident that you can take the next step. It's interesting, that fear, though, that you kind of shared with us. And thank you. Appreciate you sharing that. It's, um, it's also like, sh- should we take leap faith? What if it fails? But equally, when you're on your deathbed looking back, you'd be like, yeah, John, I'm really glad we did it. Even if it failed, you'd Absolutely. still be glad you did it because the not knowing is the thing that I would be most afraid of. Yeah. What we what we try to focus on is, you know, just in time learning, like rising to the occasion over and over and over again, being confident in our ability to not not that we know everything on day one, just being confident that we can absorb information very quickly, make make informed decisions like uh, we've built up this amazing advisory board and um, are part of an accelerator now, Tiny Seed. And, you know, just knowing how to ask the right question is more the skill than than like knowing all the answers or having some like huge ego complex about it. It's it's really, um, you know, it's really a, a, an exercise in beginner's mind uh, every day and, and just kind of saying, okay, these are the things I don't know. Here's how we're going to find the answer. Uh, it's, it's not really doing anybody service to say like, oh, okay, we're going to, uh, invent this thing in a vacuum like that just is not how it works in our experience that's it and rock do you, did you um you know obviously zach shared his fear there did you share that fear or did you have your own sort of things going on as well when you were kind of you know make, taking that leap of faith yeah i think so many things of what you both said are, are definitely hit home for me i mean yeah feel, fear of failure fear of going back and having to get a regular job was kind of yeah. something i i don't want to do especially after experiencing this like this is it, it's way more uncertain this way, sometimes scarier this way, uh, but it's still better. Uh, I still would not want to go back to a regular job. Um, a big reason why I'm able to, I was able to take this leap of faith and, um, go basically a year working solely on the business without making a salary. Both Zach and I did that. But the reason why a huge reason why I was able to do that was because my, my girlfriend was holding down the fort as far as paying bills and stuff for us. So wanting to pay her back on that investment. She's just as much of an investor in this as I am. She just invested in me, not in Squadcast. So there, I want to get her a return and starting to show that like, that we are making money or like making us making salaries was like a huge deal because like Zach said, it's all coming from the business. So there was a point that it was after, uh, it was after the, uh, a year of us working on the business full time, we had reached uh, a huge milestone in, in, in startup land, which is, um, making 10,000, uh, in revenue a month. Um, so we had all these things that were pointing in a positive direction, but it still felt like us actually making a salary was very far away. It, it actually wasn't and in, in, it was a few months away, but it just felt so far away. So I think that was my biggest fear was like, okay, it seems like it's works, it's working, but like, are we hitting some ceiling here? You know, it's a little bit of self-doubt, I guess. And just like fear of like having to start over and figure it out. But I think what you said, Robin is absolutely true. And why, why we did this was the fear of not doing it was so much more 
than anything else that, and we figured like, even if we did fail, like the skills and the connections that we, and the experience that we took from this is going to benefit us no matter what we do. And I absolutely believe that now, um, even without having to worry so much of like, okay, are we, is this thing going to work? Is it going to survive? It's kind of weird, but at some point you just start to live with it and realize it's actually not that bad. <laughs> like we well, like, can figure it out. I've done you a favor, Rock. I've had a word with the guys at Moss Adams and told them that you can't, you're not coming back. They're not to take oh. you. Even if you did go and ask for a job, you, you, you know, I've told them to say no. So I burnt that bridge for you. You can't go back. So you're, you're the best Robin. Trade off now. <laughs> um, I, and I, again, thank you for like sharing that. Cause I think it's useful for like the people listening to the, this to actually kind I hear the real story as well behind kind of the entrepreneur's journey. Like it's not all like, you know, like, you know, numbers ticking up like that and things going smoothly and everything else. I, I, there was a part when you were kind of starting to uh, um, tell me the beginning of the, the journey for you guys before you kind of took that leap where it reminded me of like, I think I heard it about Jeff Bezos when he was kind of like setting up the store for Amazon and they were testing it and they were waiting for the first like live order to come through. And, and then it came through and now it's just like, and now it's a massive sense of like overwhelm were you both crowded around a computer waiting for the first person to record a a podcast uh we were standing in a booth at a at the largest podcasting conference in our industry podcast movement uh we were lucky that it was in anaheim california that year so we you know again uh self-funded out of pocket paid for the whole team to go and sponsored a booth which felt like way overkill and too soon and all of those things um but we just decided, you know, we, we got some really great advice from one of the students that I was, uh, while I was teaching at Cal Berkeley, one of my students was like, no, you need to go and not just go uh, and talk to people. You need to sponsor, you need to be part of the industry and the community. Um, so we took that leap of faith and, uh, and showed up and all of that. And then, yeah, as people started coming into the first day, um, and we set up that, that booth, it was, uh, it was super nerve wracking. I was, you know, I was writing code in the car ride down to Anaheim. I was writing code the entire night before, um, and was just trying to have that, that, uh, first, you know, minimum viable product MVP, uh, ready to have up on like the, the screen at our booth. And, uh, it was so far from being ready that that was terrifying to me, um, in all honesty, but the, 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 the good thing is that the podcast community, like we were so nervous cause we didn't have any street cred. We didn't have any network or relationships or rapport. Um, so we just, you know, thought the, we, we might get ripped to shreds and then just stand here for three days, uh, you know, like looking at everybody else's booth and technology and stuff. And worst case scenario, we hung out in Anaheim for three days together. Um, but, you know, it, it really took about five minutes for the first or second person to come up to us and, and start talking. The podcast community community is so open and welcoming to new ideas and innovation because it's a relatively nascent community and industry. And there's not a real sense of competition because there's this emphasis on collaboration through uh, interviews like this, uh, being on each other's shows. And I think that that really comes through on, um, on the culture of, of podcasting. And yeah, I think that the second person we spoke to was like, I have this problem and I came to this event hoping to solve it. And I'm so grateful that I met you. And we, we walked away from that event with exactly one customer who is still our customer today. Yes. So I'm really, really proud of that fact. And uh, we're very much in this for long-term relationships with our customers uh, being you know, such an, an avid part of the community. 
it's amazing. You guys have the best conferences in the States. Like we have nothing like that, that that's big. And I, I'm always very envious. It's a part of me, which is like, damn, I should have moved over there at some point, you know? Um, Cause it, it sounds like it's a really great way to kind of like the, the sense of community I totally get. And, and that's one thing which I love about podcasting is the openness and friendliness of it all. And everybody's trying to kind of help each other out and, and we're all in this together. Um, and the best thing is like you, you, you've both kind of found each, each other, to kind of move this your business forward and taking that sort of um taking the opportunity to build your own dream not somebody else's that's something i was thinking about and um rock when you're talking about kind of your your experience with moss adams it was a great start but it wasn't your dream absolutely absolutely and it's it's tough because i don't know if everybody's necessarily uh is cut out to be a founder or entrepreneur or whatever. But if you have any curiosity or desire to try, you should absolutely try it. It's uh, one of the most rewarding things uh, in my life. And I would not regret it for the world. And like, like you said, Robin, you're, you're, you're building an asset. So whether it's a business, a podcast, a YouTube show, like that is a real asset that is yours. And, um, very liberating for me to have something and like that. Obviously it goes without saying the best platform to record your podcast on is Squadcast. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. So now's the opportunity. Like, t- talk to us about Squadcast. So, ha- how is it better, more beneficial? What are the what are the, the amazing features which um, people can look out for on Squadcast? So we touched on it a bit earlier with uh, audio quality being our kind of core emphasis and and focus is uh, is on delivering quality audio for everybody in the conversation, no matter where they're at in the world. And uh, we do that through some pretty innovative uh, approaches and technology to uh, recording the audio at the source. So on each person's computer uh, locally, and then in the background while they're recording, uh, pushing that up to the cloud in the in the background every couple seconds, and we call that progressive upload, which gives us the um, a number of benefits with uh, with quality that I mentioned, but then also with uh, with reliability, which is a really big uh, factor when you go into remote interviews like this one. Is there's always kind of a little bit of anxiety in the back of your head, like, am I going to get this recording at the end, like? Uh, the conversation was great. See this face, it's going, yeah, my anxiety is <laughs> definitely there. Every time I press the record button, I'm like, every time. Yeah, exactly. So we felt that. And then, you know, we uh, heard that over and over again from the podcast community, like, um, you know, uh, horror stories of being burned and having the best interview ever. These interviews are a lot of work to put together and think through and schedule and logistics. And you only really have an hour of that person's time and nobody wants to re-record and uh, the conversation won't be the same. And all of those things really add up to the need uh, for a very reliable solution. So if, if, if I built something that gave you the best audio quality in the world, but you didn't always get those files like that really wouldn't solve the core problem either. So that's really where uh, progressive upload gives us um, both the quality and the reliability and some other benefits as well, like not needing to wait around for a file uh, to show up after you hit stop. Like they're already in the cloud. So we just kind of render them and make them available to you within a few seconds. And, uh, and then in addition to that, just to give everybody the warm and fuzzy and remove any anxiety, we also have automated backups that run for the entire conversation. Um, so between those two uh, you know, forms of recording, and also anybody who's been to a physical recording studio and work with like an audio engineer, 
they're already like running backups in in the background like before the person uh like like before the people like us even walk in the room we just don't really think about it so that's how that's how the application works as well beyond that we really focus on removing all distractions making sure that you have a conversation that is as close to reality as possible with flowing dialogue and body language and eye contact and um you know, that really translates to uh, to very minimal experience. So um, on the host end, you have a few controls to record and get your files and invite other people. Um, and on the guest end, all they really need to do is show up and they're going to sound equally as good to the host. So I think that's the real trick here is podcast hosts are really good at dialing in their setup and sounding sounding awesome to the audience. Um, but the guest is usually the one that sounds uh, sounds lesser uh, quality than than the host. And if we really think about it, like the episode is made to feature the guest and lift the guest up and uh, and and they're there because they're some sort of thought leader or or you know influential ideas uh, worth sharing. And if they're lower quality, then that really, uh, turns out hurts the credibility of that person from the audience perspective, I believe was a, a study found uh, by USC that that credibility was tied to the to the quality of the audio. So if we really want to preserve that intimacy and credibility and deliver an awesome experience to our audience, that's really what Squadcast is designed to do um, and to do that in a very reliable way. Cool. And what have you got sort of, um, I'm sure it's probably like you've got a never ending like to do list of features that you want to add on to the, like any software like service that's out there, but um, what's kind of up and coming? What can we ex expect from Squadcast sort of in the next um, few months? Yeah, on the near term, we're very excited to uh, to add video recording to the platform. So we started with audio and audio being um, being such a sensitive sense for humans. Like, I think that that's a, a great place to start. I mean, even if you have like an 8K video on YouTube, if the audio is really low quality, it's not going to perform, you know? So that's really where we we found this, this challenge and problem space um, organically in podcasting. But then we've really focused on listening as a core tenant of our culture uh, in our team. And listening specifically to the needs of the podcast community over and over again, the resounding most requested feature is is the also the ability to, in parallel, record the video from that conversation. Yeah. I think it's a natural evolution because we've always had video for the flowing dialogue and conversation. That uh, you know, it's it's an obvious question maybe to ask, like, can I can I also get that video uh, recorded? So that's really exciting to us to really have a, you know, a second opportunity to help really define this category of remote content production with both audio and video. Um, and that's incredibly exciting to, to us and the whole podcast community uh, to, to, really, uh, to really provide the, the same benefits uh, of what we've been able to develop with audio recording and apply that to, uh, to, to reach your audience in new places on YouTube and, and different video platforms. I have to admit, when I was going through your show notes beforehand, and I, I nearly let the cat out of the bag when we were chatting beforehand, <laughs> but I was reading it going, high quality remote videos? <sighs> yeah. Wow. That's gonna that's totally going to transform things. Because I looked at Squadcast, obviously my podcast guy recommended it a couple of months ago, and I looked at it and I was like, ah, but what about my videos? Like, Because it is, it is a super, I know, I know podcasting is about audio, but in order 
like for me as a content creator, it's about repurposing content and yeah. being able to kind of move that into different, you know, into my blog and YouTube and all that sort of stuff. So it is important. So it's gold. You guys are going to get very rich off the back of that. You know that, don't you? <laughs> well, well, thank you. And it's one of those things that wasn't necessarily intuitive to us at first, because again, we're big fans of podcasting as listeners, but we didn't think when creating, like Zach said, the, the MVP minimum viable product for Squadcast, we didn't think that they would necessarily care about recording the video, but we felt like seeing each other was going to be very beneficial and hopefully add to the conversation that the listeners are, are listening to. But as you can imagine, we're recording these video, uh, the, the audio, the, our customers are very happy with the quality of the audio and they're seeing some crystal clear videos and thinking, well, I kind of could use this too for exactly that same reason, Robin, that podcasters, that might be the, the entree of their uh, content offering, but they're always doing other things. They're blogging, doing email, social media, video. So we're just trying to really empower the podcaster, but just content creators in, uh, in general, that you can do so much more with uh, your content created on Squadcast. Uh, I'm sold. I'm sorry, you got me, boys. It's like, take us back to that day when you're in the booth at that conference. Like, I knew <laughs> one guy. Um, I'm going to sign up to that. So, uh, and you've oh, also sweet. got, um, I'm, I'm guessing this is your podcast as well, a Between Two Mics podcast. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's uh, that's where we get to have really uh, interesting conversations with people in our industry who are pushing the medium forward, the industry forward, the community forward, and and really explore kind of the edges of podcasting uh, as it's... Uh, a fairly nascent, nascent uh, medium and form of content. So we feel that it's early days and that there is uh, a lot of people really out there on those edges, actively defining podcasting. And, uh, you know, we're, we're proud to play uh, any kind of role in that. And uh, there's a lot of other people out there who are pushing it forward um, with workflow, with other technology, with, uh, with you know, different forms of, of consumption and people just trying things that uh, is very interesting to us. So those are the stories that, uh, that we get to explore and help tell uh, on, the, on the show. Yeah, it's very, very much fun for us. Awesome. Um, uh, listen, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm really sad to say we've got to wrap up now, but um, it's been a real pleasure having you both on the show. And I'm excited to see what happens with Squad Squadcast in the coming future. How can how can the listeners get hold of you? Well, uh, yeah, it's our pleasure. This has been been a great time. And um, yeah, it's, sorry we have to go so soon. But the um, the best way to reach us is we're, like I said, we're, we're big parts of the podcast community. So we're at a lot of the events and meetups and, uh, you know, online events and remote events now. Uh, so you can catch us at, at a lot of those. Um, but also online, we, we have a terrific community manager, Ariel, who is out there every day engaging with the community. And, um, and we have, uh, we have some Facebook groups that uh, you can join and be part of. And it's not necessarily specific to, uh, to squad we're interested in in helping all podcasters sound awesome and deliver that experience to their to their guests. So um, that's um, that's on Facebook, and then you can find us uh, online at squadcast.fm. And uh, you know we have a free trial. We have a bunch of great content like our podcast and videos, and um, uh, for that same purpose, just helping everybody level up their quality for their for their audience. 
Awesome. Uh, well, we have uh, one final question, which I'd like to ask all of our guests before we uh, wrap up the show in its entirety. So um, we're going to hop into the fearless business time machine. It's a bit like that uh, De- DeLorean in uh, Back to the Future. And I, I want to, I'm going to go with um, uh, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, rock first. Uh, um, you get to punch in the date into our time machine and we're going to go back X number of years and you get to speak to rock in the past. So when would it be and what would you say to rock then? Yeah. So, um, I think it's going to be 2006. So for me, I was uh, just getting out of high school, starting college. And I think like a lot of young people, I was pretty lost and just didn't have a lot of direction or, or self-confidence. I mean, frankly, the only reason why I was going to college is because my high school did such a good job of just really, uh, I don't know what the word is. Uh, I'm blanking on the word, but basically I didn't think there was any other choice other than to go to college, which is a great thing. Like it was a great school for that, but nothing else was really pushing me to do it. I didn't have anyone in, in my family background uh, that had gone to college. So to me, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I hate school. Like it didn't feel like the thing for me. And the advice that I would give to myself, or I, I, I would tell myself is like, you like, you can become whatever you want to become. Like it, it, it sounds cliche to some degree, but like, I didn't think that I, I feel stupid saying this, but I didn't think that I could like get any better at certain skill sets. Like, and it's silly because I was always into exercise and working out, but I didn't think that I could like develop my leadership skills or I could develop marketing skills or sales skills. I was very reliant on just the talent that I had. And I thought that that's all I needed. Cause it had gotten me through, uh, you know, 18 years in life thus far. So, and, and that's great. You know, I was fortunate enough to be talented enough to get that far, but I, I just wish I would have learned earlier on that like talent's great, but you can't rely on it, but you can like, if you're willing to put in the effort and time, like you can get better at things. It's, it's a lot like how Grand Theft Auto is. You want to be a better swimmer. You can be, get your, your get your experience points up, you know? And so, um, <laughs> I just wish I would have known that sooner. I think I would have figured things out a lot quicker. I think it would have made a lot of things uh, easier in life, but sometimes the struggle is very necessary. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because I, uh, I had a very similar um, thing actually about two years before I set up the coaching practice. So I set up the business in 2016. I had a, an agency a long time before that, but um, uh, I remember thinking to myself in 2014, why did I ever stop reading books? Like I, I, I graduated uni and then I was like, Oh, right. Now I've graduated. I don't need, I'm, I'm done with education now. Off, off we trot. I don't need to read another yeah. book. I, I bitterly regret stopping reading at that point because the moment I picked up another book, sort of, you know, t- 10, 12 years later, God, did it accelerate my career. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I saw totally books was a big part exactly of that. What you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, and, and how about, how about you, Zach? What, 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 when's your year and, and what would you say to Zach T minus X number of years? Yeah, I would say for me, it was like 2008, 2009, um, maybe even before then. I was uh, I was very depressed and had social anxiety disorder and just didn't really have much to look forward to was how I kind of... Uh, I wasn't excited about the future. Uh, so um, I, I would have been... Uh, you know, The advice that I would give to myself was to start practicing meditation and something you just said, reading, reading more. Um, I'd always enjoyed it, but never really saw it as a way to learn. I guess I was 
more so of the mindset that education was something that was other people told me to do and was given to me. I didn't realize that I could go out and seek it. Um, and once I started going out and seeking it and practicing meditation, I became very excited about the future, found what I loved about, um, you know, working in technology and really just, uh, overnight, it felt like, uh, was all of a sudden obsessed with learning. And I feel that that obsession is why I'm here today. And, uh, I'm really grateful that, uh, that I eventually got there like you rock, but it, it, uh, it took me some time to realize that those were kind of the ingredients needed to, uh, to really have, um, you know, the next steps in place for, for where to go in my career. And that just keeps propelling me forward. It's incredibly courageous to kind of face those demons, like go to those dark places. And sometimes we've got to, in order to kind of be able to take those strides forward. So I appreciate you sharing that with us as well, because that's quite a personal thing for you to share. Obviously means an incredible amount to you. So thank you. And thank you both as well for um, all of the amazing insights that you shared about your entrepreneurial journey and building Squadcast. Um, I think I think what you're creating here is just absolute magic. And I really look forward to seeing where it goes for you in the future. Well, thank you, Robin. Thank you so much. 